Welcome to the Light to Path podcast series, an initiative for women at Roche by the International Women's Network, or IWN here in Asian Pacific. This series aims to encourage all our listeners to inspire women at Roche to carve their path towards achieving their purpose, career and personal goals. When we proactively and passionately light her path, we advocate for her, we build her confidence, we increase her presence, and we unlock her potential. This ultimately builds an inclusive environment where all employees can be their authentic selves and thrive at work. Hi everyone, this is Ian. As our global DLT female leaders have lots of brilliant insights to share, based on their personal experiences of navigating and developing their careers. We have decided to split this discussion into two episodes. This is part one of our discussion. So I'll be handing them the time now to say hello for the speakers to introduce themselves to the audience. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in uh, to the next episode of the International Women's Network Asia Pacific podcast. I'm Ian Lim, currently a marketing enabling partner for the Alzheimer's Disease franchise uh, based in the Singapore affiliate. It's my pleasure and privilege to be moderating here today for the next podcast series. And together with me, I have three esteemed guests, you know, from the global diagnostic leadership team. So I firstly, I have Anne Costello, the global head of diagnostic solutions, uh, Rochelle Klein, global head quality and regulatory and Silke Hornstein, Global Head Strategy and Transformation. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, and I'm certain if you guys are tuning into this, the next 20 to 30 minutes will be definitely worth your time as you're recovering a special edition topic with our Global DLT female leaders um, as they'll be sharing their experiences on career path and development. So I'll be handing them the time now to just say hello to everyone by asking them the first question. So I'll start with you, Anne. If you could share with us a summary of your career path <laughs> and what are some of the highlights you know that you remember so vividly? Good. Oh, yeah. well, I've been working with the company for a very long time, so that could take a long time <laughs> if I go through everything. But um, I can tell you, I started my career actually as a customer and I joined Roche in R&D. And, um, and then I moved from that into, into marketing. Mm. Um, but I also, I moved to the US. Um, at one point, I joined the Pleasanton team. I came back to Basel. I moved to Mannheim. So I've done all different things and each time usually a, a step in my career. Um, but if you ask me what the highlight was, it's really hard to say because I've done so many different things. But probably if you really push me on that question, I would say, the role that I have today is probably the highlight. And the reason I say that is, you know, it's very few times in your career you have an opportunity to participate in a huge transformation. And in all of the years that I've been with the company for more than 30 years, we've never done a radical transformation like we did with Transform D. And I have to say that has been the highlight of my career to now head up you know, the RDS, the Roche Diagnostic Solutions Organization. Um, and, you know, I, also to be part of that transformation and getting that organization up and running and surrounded by a group of fantastic leaders that helped me to do it. So that's for sure my highlight. Thanks for sharing that. And um, yeah, how about you, Silke? 
I'm also quite a while in the company. It's 20 years in the meantime. And as Anne uh, as well, I have done very different things. So I also try to just to keep it short. I'm, I'm an, um, I'm a scientist by education. So I'm a molecular and cell biologist. And I started in Roche actually in procurement. So it might be, it might, one of my schemes throughout my career started very early that I sometimes made unusual moves to expand my own horizon. So I, I started in procurement in, in, in a global function. Uh, I worked in that at that time in Germany uh, at both of the large sites, first Pennsburg, then Mannheim. I took on very early also some global projects on top of, uh, on, on top of my roles. And after procurement, uh, I, I moved uh, to the German sales affiliate. So um, I was... Um, part of the marketing, um, the product management organization in, 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 in this German affiliate, uh, had, had a GM role afterwards uh, in one of the European countries in Denmark. And then I had the opportunity to move to Basel, actually, and uh, took on, first of all, what we called at that time uh, the Diagnostics Program Office, taking uh, care of the larger strategic initiatives within, within the division, uh, before assuming then the current role as, as, as head of strategy and, and transformation. And uh, without wanting to be repeating what Anne said, but if you ask me about uh, my, my, my highlight, I think there are a lot of highlights. And I have to say also in hindsight, I enjoyed each and every job I did. And each and every job gave me a great learning opportunity and to expand really my experience and, 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 and also the expertise um, what I enjoyed very early on was working on topics which span bigger parts of the organization. So not only one function, but which really span across uh, many parts of the organization. And, and, and my personal highlight is certainly also if I look into Transform D, I mean, having the opportunity to really design and orchestrate uh, this entire program together with all the colleagues uh, in the entire division and even beyond, coming up with a new 10-year strategy and then really uh, changing the organization, um, not only structurally, but really also from how we work and from the culture. I actually believe this is probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, which we all had to, to participate in, and it's a it's tr- true highlight so far. Thanks for sharing. I mean, definitely we would love to unpack more around the Transform E journey. You know, I think that's one of the key questions that we want to ask all of you as well today. So, yeah, uh, how about you, Rochelle? Um, like my two colleagues here, I've been with Roche a long time, um, have had the opportunity to work in uh, multiple locations across, primarily my career has been in operations and quality, and I've moved back and forth between the two. Um, and I think, uh, one of the two highlights come to mind for me, um, uh, the first one being, uh, having the opportunity to work and live here in Singapore. Um, and so I spent two and a half years um, leading the pharma manufacturing facility out into us. Um, fabulous place to live, wonderful people to get to know. Um, and it really expanded my understanding of Asia Pacific. Um, it also, uh, you know, I have most of my career had been in the U.S., so primarily leading U.S. teams, um, some global teams in, in uh, Switzerland also, but having the opportunity to live and lead in a different culture was per- both personally and professionally a, an amazing growth for me. 
Um, and then the other highlight I would say, like these ladies, is my current role. Uh, and two things in that role, this role that come to mind is um, the the transformation and the opportunity to really change how we look at quality and regulatory across the diagnostics division, um, transform that from multiple quality teams that are very locally focused and regulatory teams that were very locally focused to being a global organization and being able to provide growth developments um, for people. Um, and I think, like Anne said, it's kind of once in a lifetime opportunity that you get to build your team from, from the ground up and mm-hmm. surround yourself with some great leaders that, that you handpick. Um, and then the second part is, is the role that my team played in the COVID pandemic and gaining access for COVID tests across the world. Well, thanks for sharing, Rochelle, and definitely welcome home <laughs> Singapore again. Yeah, so I mean, it's great to hear, you know, the highlights. And I think the journey definitely has not been, you know, easy as well because of COVID. Like what you mentioned, I think there were times where I guess, you know, we had to maneuver, we had to change. And I think one of the key things for me also, in, you know, throughout the pandemic was around the mindset, you know, being able to stay positive, focus on what we're doing and what we believe in. I think it's really critical to kind of move things forward. So I... Uh, and you, you mentioned around uh, transformation, you know, a lot in this journey. And of course, before the transformation in your many years, you know, in Roche, definitely, you know, there were a lot of times where changes or rather was the only constant, you know, in Roche. Mm-hmm. So we want to ask you today, you know, through your perspective and your lens, how have women's career pathway and development evolved over the past years in terms of opportunities, exposures, as well as challenges? Well, I joined the company, um, I guess it's in 1988. So I have seen a night and day difference um, compared to when I started. And, and I can give you a few examples that maybe just, you know, to share with you how, how we were operating and how people were thinking at that time. So when I joined the company and I was interviewed by, at that time, our HR department, and it was an older gentleman, and he said to me, well, you're, you're sort of young. Um, are you planning to have a family anytime soon? And, and that was sort of, you know, it's like, how can you ask something like that, right? But, you know, that was just the way it was. Uh, the second thing I would say is, you know, for most of my career, and it's really only changed maybe in the last couple of years, is I was the only woman in the room. And so much so that I got to the point that I didn't even notice that anymore, right? Because that was just the way it was. And at that time in Rotkreuz, it was an engineering site. So there were not, there were no women in leadership. There were no women in general. Um, so, you know, for me, I see a fundamental shift in attitude. Um, I see a fundamental shift in the number of women coming into the organization. And, you know, we're now maybe at that 50-50 stage of women in the organization. And, and of course, it's how do we get women into leadership? And it's also the attitude of our, our male colleagues has also changed as well. I mean, the other thing I remember very clearly um, at one of my reviews, one of my um, my bosses at the time is no longer in the company. He said to me, um, you know, what are you thinking for your next step? So I, I told him and he said, yeah, I sort of would encourage you to go into HR or communications. That's more suited to women. You know, so these are the sort of things, you know, that the challenges that you faced in the past. Yeah. And it's so nice to see that that does not exist in the company anymore and that so many of our male colleagues don't have that type of attitude and are really acting as mentors for young women. And I think also us, 
you know, that's our, our role now is to be really mentors and help women and sort of, you know, pay it forward now for the women in the organization. Yeah. Thanks, Anne, for, for sharing that. And it's great to know that, you know, men, you know, have, have changed their perspective as well. And, and I think one of the previous podcasts, you know, that was on this was also touched on how a manager, you know, allow a woman that is planning for for having kids in the next two to three months to actually just join the company and he was able to find a replacement for her. And I think the impact, you know, that was shown was beyond just the work itself, but you're always going to be remembered, you know, by that person. I think that's also legacy and planning, you know, ahead you know, of time. So I, I really appreciate your sharing. How about you, Rochelle? Yeah, I think similar to Anne, you know, as I said, my uh, large portion of my career was in operations, which historically is a male-dominated space. And uh, like Anne, I found myself in a number of teams where I was the only woman at the table. And I think you uh, you learn to find your voice, you learn to speak up. But I think, uh, thankfully, I've also had um, been blessed with having some male leaders who have also been very supportive of my career and my advancement and development and, and been invested in that. Thanks a lot for sharing, Michelle. Uh, how about Silky? Yeah, I think there's one common theme. <laughs> and this is certainly also, especially in the beginning of my career, being often also the only woman around the table. I still remember when I uh, when I became GM uh, of, of Denmark, there were only two female uh, general managers in the entire uh, EMEA LATAM region. And I mean, yeah, it's 10 years ago, if I look today into the region, also if I look into uh, parts of the APEC region, that certainly has changed, and it has changed for the better, that many more uh, female GMs are around, and the same in, in many other different in many other different parts of the organization as well. And maybe you ask in general about changes which have happened over the years, maybe one change I, I certainly also observe is that there is more fluidity in career paths. When I joined, it was often still you, your career is done up the hierarchy in the same function. And I think we have all appreciated in the meantime and embraced that there is a benefit of also uh, sometimes taking a step outside of your yeah of your home function to broaden your experience or you, or you stay in your function and you go into a different culture into a different region so I would say the breadth of experience that has certainly changed and yeah what defined careers in the past definitely you know I can totally attest to that I think in pharma you know with the transformation it has happened wave after wave and yeah. you know one of the key things that changed you know was definitely the role and I think we have shifted a lot from the product management role to a marketing uh, manager role. And with that shift, it basically almost you know took out the floor that I was standing on because part of that shift really shifted a bit more from that product strategy focus to a marketing spectrum focus where you think about digital marketing mm-hmm. specific skill sets that you have to deliver. So I, I do recall in the past, uh, actually just a year ago, when you know when Pharma transfer, uh, transformed into this particular role, uh, one of the key things that I realized is that I have to go back to the foundations of marketing, you know, what, what that really means. And to your point, you know, having more experiences initially was really coming out of the comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? Because I have to then, hey, you know, I'm, I can't go to a vendor anymore to do digital marketing. I have to do it in-house, right? Yeah. And as we shift to different things like work packages in pharma, uh, part of that capability shaping, you know, uh, made me realize that if I want to continue to contribute and have value in this organization, I do need to change as well in regards to the value that I bring, you know, to the book packages and to the organization. 
And I, I was just chatting, you know, with the team earlier. I think one of the things that helped me as well in the transformation, which I would love to learn a lot more, uh, was around coaching. Because uh, coaching was very critical for me during that transformative years of pharma. Uh, because it helped me realize that um, one of the key things that caused me to be anxious was, was not really about the transformation, but it has to be unpacked within your own personal life. You know, how do you show up at work? You know, how do you actually bring yourself to work? So I think one of the key things that happened to me, you know, in you know through the years of transformation was that the availability of coaching. And I actually wrote down my personal life statement for the first time in you know in thirty years. And I realized that uh, with the personal statement, um, being a catalyst was one of the key things that was highlighted. And I realized that if I want to be a catalyst, it's perfect because in work packages you can bring value to your colleagues around you, and then you can see the downstream impact, you know, to customers. So that, that's, that's one of the key things that I realized that will be really helpful in the transformation. And also in the survey, you know, that we found out as was shared earlier, uh, one of the key uh, barriers, you know, for female employees now in APEC is on the visibility exposure, mm -hmm. as well as secondly, will be around the career development opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to, you know, unpack that a bit as well today. Uh, this question is for you, Silke. Okay. Uh, in regards to you know the earlier part of your mm -hmm. career, definitely very extensive towards mm -hmm. the you know the beginning part of your mm -hmm. career, did you face some of these similar challenges such as visibility, exposure, or uh, or opportunities you know that were not given? And if so, how did you overcome some of these challenges? Mm -hmm. I, I certainly have to say that I was also in the earlier parts. Um, of my career really fortunate and, and, and really lucky that I had also people around me who provided with opportunities and uh, and sometimes even with opportunities which yeah might have sounded a bit too big um, and might have sounded like it's too much of a stretch um, and, uh, and, and, and rather encouraged me to take it while I personally would have maybe more hold back and, and wouldn't have dared uh, to, to, to step into that. So, um, and maybe that's more the encouragement from my side also, also early in the career. I mean, look out for these opportunities and it's not always a position or a role. Also for me, it was often an additional project, a task where you can gain visibility, but where you can also learn something. Uh, and dare to take it, uh, dare to take it or also dare to take the hand and say, I would actively want to contribute. And then also don't shy away from, yeah, also, yeah, telling what you have done, um, and, 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 and raise awareness on, on, on what you have done. And I think that's what I observed in my early days in Korea. And I still think I see it also still nowadays. As women, we sometimes hold a bit back. We think, okay, the result speaks for itself. We don't need to tell about that. Uh, everybody sees what I'm doing. Some do and some don't. So I think it's also up to us to say, hey, that was my contribution and that was the impact I had uh, in that project or in that role, in that position. Yeah, I think just being brave and you know, basically having the balance yeah. of uh, showing up and just saying, hey, you know, this is something that I've contributed. Yeah. You know, what about, you know, you and things like that, right? So I think we want to kind of nurture that culture yes. a lot more. And I think in, in recent uh, weeks, we had an APEC town hall uh, you know, with Pharma. And one of the questions that we want to ask you and today 
is that um, you know there was a very interesting question around you know being in this region of APEC, given that the time zone you know is definitely very different from U.S. market and also in the in the EU market. So maybe the question is around: uh, is it a disadvantage you know for for employees you know to be in the APEC region? And one of the personal questions that I want to tease out as well you know, from for all of you is: is there any uh, unique opportunities that you're seeing for APEC colleagues you know to, to quickly grab and leverage from you know, from uh, from duty onwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, the other thing that Transform D did is it made us a very global organization. You know, before we were very sort of almost in our silos and in our own time zones and your, your team were usually around you. They might have been exactly the same site, but they were certainly usually in your time zone. And so with Transform D, we really created that global organization. And, and so all of us now have people, I mean, I, have hardly anybody who sits in the same location as me. So I think we have to be able to manage those time zones. With that said, I think we've also learned from COVID, you don't have to be in the office all the time, nine to five, right? That whole idea of having flexibility. And that's hugely important to women to be able to have that flexibility. And, you know, you're trying to balance, you know, family and personal life and and, and and your professional life. And I think you know, that's what I would encourage all women to make sure that you find that right balance and that you use the flexibility that we all have. I mean, before COVID, we thought we couldn't do anything, you know, without being in the office. And now we know we can. So I think that's an important aspect is, is that the world has changed and for the better in, in terms of giving us that, that broader perspective of how you can do it. I, I think the, the other thing I would say is that, you know, we... A little bit like um, Basilka talked about, you know, women have a, the sort of, I'll, sh- I'll fade into the background a little bit, people will notice me. We don't always have the confidence that some of our male counterparts have. And I think I would always encourage, you know, ladies to do that. You don't have to be 100% perfect or 120%, you know, and we, we've seen this now very often in the way we work with the MVPs and stuff like that, you can grow into things, right? You don't have to have everything right at that moment. The opportunity is there to grow and and you should take advantage of that. And I think for, you know, the APEC colleagues, I think Transform D is also the fact that we had that very inclusive way of bringing people into the sprints and into the initiatives has has been great. And, you know, again, I would encourage people to say, hey, I want to put my hand up and offer up because it's not always a career opportunity, but it's that visibility piece that you participate Mm -hmm. in some sort of initiative, a project that you have the ability to show your skills and how you can contribute as well. So it's it's a question of putting your hand up and saying, yeah, count me in. Thanks, Ed. Just a follow-up question as well. I think one of the things that I realize is uh, perhaps also a question, right, is do we need to take on work, you know, specifically, you know, that is more visible to people from EU or from US, you know, that can give us that next step in our career? You know, because I, I, I agree with you, CK, okay, you mentioned that right now it's not so straightforward anymore. You know, it's, I mean, as a marketer, it's not so straightforward where I would go regional, APEC, and then global. Mm-hmm. I think there are opportunities, you know, you can work off projects, mm-hmm. right, to gain the exposure. Mm-hmm. So then with those projects, definitely, you know, the, uh, the time zone is definitely going to be mm-hmm. different for us. So would you say that it is encouraged for us to flex in terms of that flexibility in the sense that we do less work during our time zone, but also take on some opportunities that we see, you know, in different time zones? I think you also have to keep the balance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that we saw 
of course, as we moved into that new structure that was very global, people a little bit lost the balance. And I think, I guess, COVID was the same, you know, the fact that you were working from home, people sort of forgot the boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So I also want to make sure that people keep that balance in their lives as well. And it's it's fine to do some of that, right? We all are happy to start early in the morning or work late at night. But it can't be the constant, right? And that shouldn't be the expectation from anybody, no matter what. And we need to make sure that people have have that good sense of, you know, I have a life outside of of Rosh as well. And and I think adding maybe to that, and and you mentioned also the flexibility, what we certainly see if if also colleagues from APEC are joining uh, global initiative sprint teams, it is a challenge. And we, we definitely uh, recognize and acknowledge that. I mean, you have really late nights yeah, yeah. Uh, with that, and it cannot be the norm. I mean, that's mm. not really sustainable, uh, not on a personal level and also not on an organizational level. So what I would certainly also encourage all of us and all of you is take also the flexibility. So if you have a if you have a late shift, uh, if you join a project also to get visibility or bring your expertise in, don't show up necessarily at eight again in, in, in the office, but also take that flexibility and say, hey, then I rather work the later hours in the day and a bit longer. But it doesn't mean that I always need to extend my working day. And and I know that this is a learning curve for all of us. And sometimes I think we even feel a little bit guilty yeah. if we are not uh, not present again in, in, in the early mornings. But that's also how we can flex and use actually the flexibility which is given to us. And Rachel, you mentioned that you were based in Singapore. Do you have to flex sometimes, you know, in, yeah, in those yeah. time zones as well? Yeah, yeah I did. There was um, the team that I was on was a global team. You know, as a site head, it, I was meeting in a network of other site heads across the globe, and we spanned from Singapore and Europe and California, which are some of like the worst time zones to get together. And so, at least one, if not two or three nights a week, I had uh, calls that started at ten o'clock and could go from t- twelve to one a.m. to two a.m. I am not a night person. <laughs> I, I perfected napping during that time, so I would highly recommend that <laughs> dinner. A short hour nap, and then, uh, but I, I, as I did feel that pressure to be in because I was running a manufacturing facility uh, that was 24 7. So it it was a balance. But there, if I had multiple days in which I had to be on late, then I would go into the office late. And we encouraged our team members too, because, you know, it wasn't just me, it was my direct reports and those their direct reports that were also on some of these global calls. Um, and we also really encouraged, you know, we know there's a late night call for this topic tonight, please feel free to, to flex. Or, you know, some people were like, well, you know, I got to be up early because I got to get kids out yeah. to school anyway. And then yeah. it's like, okay, well then just leave early, you know, so try to, we, we tried to encourage it as much as possible. But to build a little bit on what Anne and Silke were saying about, you know, opportunities, uh, Roche is a pretty networked organization. So the other thing I would encourage people to do, um, it doesn't always have to be a project, but it can be a short, you know, coffee conversation with somebody that you reach out to that's not in the region or in another country in the region. Um, but maybe um, I would encourage people to think about how they want to build their network. Because as you build your network, um, then you get exposed to 
more opportunities, more potent career potential, an opportunity might come up that you never even thought about. And that's what happened for me for Singapore is I had a conversation with somebody in the operation side in the PT organization. And, and then it led to, oh, this, you know, person is, uh, their, their international assignment is coming up. Would you be interested? Nothing I ever considered, but ended up being a fantastic opportunity. And it really came out of a lunch conversation one day. Oh, that's great here. I, I mean, definitely, I think it's a encouragement, you know, from the leadership team to really take time off. You know, if you're flexing at night, then to your point about networking, I think that's also very critical. You know, I think you get to learn from other people from different cultures and different market dynamics. And I think the ideas would then flow back to your affiliate and sometimes flow back to your work package yeah. that you're doing. And then you contribute from there as well. Thanks for tuning to the first part of our discussion. We hope you have enjoyed the conversation so far. Please stay tuned for part two of the discussion where our leaders will share their experiences on balancing their work and their personal lives and provide insights on the opportunities of career development and career exposure post-transformation. See you in the next part of our discussion.